Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Higher Branch. You know, over the years I have learned more from people than I have from reading books, which is saying something because I read a lot of books. And every now and then I come across an individual who is doing something so extraordinary that I feel compelled to invite them to a higher branch to share their story and life wisdom with our community. So today I sit down with Sam White, chairman of Loan Market. For those of you who don't know, Loan Market is one of Australia's largest and fastest growing retail mortgage brokerage. And it is not bank owned. It is family owned and operated just like everything else with the White family group of companies, uh, including Ray White Real Estate, which, as we all know, has over a thousand branches worldwide. Now, most of you know that my day job is as a banking and finance lawyer. And whenever I mingle with my tribe, I swear to you that every time Sam White's name comes up in conversation, people always spoke about him with such warmth and respect not just his employees and suppliers, but even his competitors. So in this interview, we get personal and talk about the eight areas of life, and in particular, his take on family, work, learning, and wealth. So sit back, listen, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Sam, welcome to our Higher Branch community. Thank you, Sam. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. So, of course, I'm talking about uh, Sam White uh, from Loan Market. You're the chairman of Loan Market. And we have something in common because we both launched our business in 1995. Now, for those of you who don't know, Loan Market is one of Australia's largest and fastest growing uh, retail mortgage brokerages in Australasia. So you've gone into Asia as well. And the unique thing about this business and is like most of your other businesses within the white group, and I'll talk about that, is that it's family owned, family operated. And we're going to talk a little bit about Sam's take on how to work and how they've managed to build such an amazing family dynasty. But at the same time, growing a business large, but keeping the soul and spirit. Speaking from experience, it takes very special qualities to do that. So we're going to get Sam's learnings on how to do that. So if you're in a small business yourself, and looking at growing, uh, hopefully we can unlock some of Sam's learning on how to grow your business. So um, Loan Market is also in the stable of businesses within the uh, White Group, including Ray White Real Estate, which has over a thousand branches uh, throughout the world, predominantly in Australia, which is phenomenal. And that's still run by uh, Brian and Paul, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so Brian and Paul uh, are the chairman of the business. My brother, Dan, is the MD. So he's really in the last sort of 12 months, he's really, uh, it's been a bit longer than that, but the last 12 months particularly, he's really been taking the reins of that business now. Awesome. Yeah. And how's he doing? I think he's doing fantastically well. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're in the middle of COVID. So this is sort of um, uh, June uh, 2020. And it's um, the challenge in the real estate sector, I think has been pretty significant. Yes. Uh, a lot more than in, in our part of the world in the, in the finance sector. And um so I think he's done a terrific job. And and like every crisis you go into, it's sort of a chance really for him to put his, you know, stamp on the business and 
and uh, I think it's been re- he's been really effective in that. Well, he has huge shoes to fill because the business has been going since 1902, which is yeah. pretty phenomenal. Yeah. But um, before we went online with the camera, we spoke offline a little bit about you know a higher branch, our framework, yeah. and um, so you know we have the eight areas of life, which is what you need to focus on and how they each fulfill a fundamental human need. So for those of you who are new to our community, our growing community by the day, uh, the eight areas of life, you find them on a highbranch.com. And uh, they are the, uh, uh, of course, your health is number one. Number two is your love, as in your relationship, your personal relationship with your partner. Uh, three is family. Four is work. Five is friendship. You know, six is learning. Seven is wealth. And eighth is charity. And each one of those areas of your life fill a fundamental human need, health for energy, love for intimacy, family for unconditional love and support, uh, work for fulfillment, friendship for belonging, learning for growth, uh, which is what we're doing here today, learning from an entrepreneur, a leader in his uh, field. The seventh, uh, wealth is for uh, freedom. And eighth, charity is for contribution. And if you're lucky enough to have a job which adds a lot of value to others and something we're going to talk about, that can be your contribution. But one of the things I wanted to uh, talk about with Sam is that from speaking to a lot of people in our industry, you blend your life beautifully across these eight areas. Now, I'm not saying you're perfect. And you told me offline, hey, I'm not perfect with this. But you recognize when you do go off and you're, mm. say, spending too much time at work and neglecting family, and you know how to get back on there, um, you know, get back in balance. But if we look at, um, I want to focus on family first because mm-hmm. the white family is uh, really is a blueprint for how families should operate. Now, I don't know whether, you know, uh, there has been family conflict over the years. Inevitably, there is in any business. But how have you managed to... Um, you know, uh, cohesively work as a, as a family unit over, you know, 120 years? Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. We, we, we definitely had conflicts along the way, and, um, but there's been a lot more positive than the negatives in the, in the whole process. I think the, the biggest thing is probably going to be how, is how we communicate. Uh, and I think having respect for each other and for what everyone does um, and uh, yeah, the values that we brought up with obviously are, are fairly similar. Um, what are those values, if you don't mind? Yeah, you know, we, we 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 haven't really um, codified them in a in a in a document, but but the concept that we are custodians um, of a business, we're not owners, uh, we're we're not sort of it is not a business that someone's going to sell and capitalise and realise any value out of. It's a it's a process that we're coming in as custodians for a period of time before someone that. else. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so we don't really look at it. Yeah, you know, I remember someone asked my dad said, "Oh, gee, you must be." This is in the middle of some recession. Said, "Oh, look, you must be upset that your business value has um, come off or yeah. whatever." He said, "Well, God, I, don't, I don't look at. We don't do valuations. We don't look at the value. It's 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 about how is the business traveling? Um, how how are we providing value to our people? And that's that's what gets the that, that's what's important." Um, obviously, financials are important, but but the capital value or anything else is not there. So I think yeah, we think of ourselves as custodians of a of a, of a, of a business, um, and uh, I think think about longer term. That reputation is important. That yeah. uh, it's it's easy to it's easy to lose it, and it's important that in everything we do is sort of what is the long term implications of this. And I think that's one of the fortunate things about a, a family business is you can afford to take a bit of a longer term view uh, on on some issues. Um, 
and so that's so that and it's an interesting sort of mix between a pride in what in in, in the group yes but yeah. but also sort of not attaching too much pride to an individual more as a collective if that makes any sense total and, sense yeah so you're about important. leaving a legacy rather than having an exit yeah. strategy yeah which yeah, is where 100%. most people people go wrong in a business it was always always that we used to go to like a uh a business school sort of thing they always talk about exit strategies and um always felt uncomfortable because i didn't quite know yeah we never really talked about it we never planned for it and and, and so i always thought maybe we we're missing something in that process and i've got a lot of friends obviously who've built some great businesses and and either bring in external capital or selling or, or listing and um yeah I, I respect them a hell of a lot. I, I don't understand the. Pro- I, I can't relate to that process. Because I haven't thought a lot about it to be honest. It's not in your DNA. It, it's yeah, yeah, it's not, and yeah. I'm not sure whether yeah. it's a weakness or <laughs> it just probably is what it is. And uh, and um, I think it's a beautiful thing because it allows you to take, like you said, a long term view, yeah, uh, rather than short term gain to uh, meet shareholder interests who yeah. are only interested next year and the year after. Well, let's talk about work then for a second because yeah. I know you pretty well when it comes to work. When I say well, what I read about. And uh, when the Royal Commission, uh, you really stuck your neck out and went into bat for the whole industry, not just for the loan market yeah. brokers, just for the whole industry. And I just, I, that took a lot of courage. And um, first of all, I want to thank you for doing that because yeah. I'm a huge supporter of the broker distribution model. Uh, but when it comes to work, uh, every time I come across one of your brokers, employees, you know, I know Neil. Uh, got to know him pretty well because his uh, wife uh, works at a high branch now. Uh, she loves it there, by the yeah, way. Cool. And um, the words, you know, tight-knit, family, always come up, warmth. Uh, you do some incredible things that a lot of business owners don't do every time. And you have a big business. So you have, what, six, 650 brokers? In now, Australia, yeah. In Australia. Yeah. Uh, but you have this thing that you invite your Anyone that joins the low market family, you have them over your place for dinner. You yeah. get to know them personally. That's pre-COVID. Now we're trying to work out how we catch up. How you do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. But tell me, why, why do you why do you do that? Oh, I think it's important for people to understand the values of the business, and and it's a good chance for people to say, look, you're not you're not a number. Um, that people are, um, yeah. Every broker for me is, a, is our core customer. Yeah. Uh, they are someone who puts their faith in us. We make lots of promises when they come on board. Um, you know, and we need to deliver on them. So it's a chance for a for me to meet them and, and talk about them, um, understand what's important to them, and and a chance also for them to be able to say, well, if I've got a problem, ring me anytime. Uh, and that's been that's important, I think. Um, and 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 our business is built on the relationships we have with people. Um, that's all it is at the end of the day. Um, how well are they going to look after their customers? Are they the type of person that really is passionate about looking after customers? Uh, and and what do we need to do to support them? And I think. Things like having them for dinner sort of reflects the fact that this is about a relationship. It's it's more than about just a, you know, we've got a commercial relationship. It's about we are now sort of part of a part of a group together. I love and, that. And yeah. it goes beyond it goes beyond yep. just the commercial relationship in my in my mind. So business is personal for you, which is my mind. I, I, I think it is. <laughs> yeah. I think I think everything is, to be yeah. honest. Um, you make decisions, you know, obviously you need there needs to be commerciality to things and there needs to be logic. But at the end of the day, your lens is, do I do I believe in what this person's telling me and are they going to fundamentally live on, on what they say? And um, that's the thing. Everyone makes that decision on any on anything. And um, part of that for me is, is it's not so much the recruitment process. It's yeah. our, our relationship starts when someone joins and then how do we make sure we deliver on what they want? And if we don't, that they can come and say, Sam, look, 
this is not working. Yep. Um, yep. I find it much better when I'm hearing about problems um, than when I don't. Because I know yep. they're there, I just don't know. Um, if I know what they're there, I know, and I know someone's dealing with them, then I, I can relax. Yeah. See, this is one of the main reasons why I wanted to uh, have this conversation with you so yep. our community can learn. What attracted me to this interview was the fact that business is personal for you and yep. you don't hide behind layers of bureaucracy you know, within your yep. company. You actually, it's a flat model. People go direct to you. Not afraid to open up your home to people, you take their calls. I just love that style of doing business. And, you know, whenever I put up the eight areas of life model to corporate executives who are a little bit burnt out and uh, they look at that model and they say, Sam, I don't have enough time in the day to devote to these eight areas, yeah, you know. Yeah. But when you have uh, your approach to doing business, it allows you to be authentic at work with your friends, with your family. So you have the same face, you have the same, you're the same person across those areas. So that allows you to blend your life. So I call it life blending. So in other words, you can spend an hour in the gym on your own and then go and hang out with a friend for an hour and then go and hang out with a work colleague for another hour brainstorming. That takes three hours. Mm -hmm. But if you're, if you have a friend from work that you work out together and whilst you're working out together, where it's jogging or walking, you're brainstorming, Mm -hmm. you're doing three hours of you know, blending mm-hmm. in one hour. So it's yeah, very yeah. efficient. And that's what you do really well. I don't know whether you knew that or not. That's my impression from the people I, I spoke to. They say, well, yeah. this guy's authentic. You see him, whether he's at the cricket, at the footy, with his friends in the boardroom, with his wife, with his family, with his kids, is the same. Yeah. And that's I, rare. That's yeah, rare. I appreciate you saying it. It's sort of, I haven't, I haven't thought about it. I, it just, it's exhausting not to be, you know, when you got to put on something you're not. It's, it's, I found that too hard, to be honest. Um, and, you, know, you think, oh, gee, I should be more like this person. I should, I've read this book. I need to be more like that. Um, I think there's a spectrum on everything, and everyone finds their own part of that. Yeah. And and if you live where you are, you sort of accept there's some shortcomings, try and compensate for them as best you can, with preferably with better people. And then, but but yeah, you, know, you are who you are, and 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 um, I think that's imp- that's important um, because it's too hard not to, too hard to be someone else. You, you can, and that's different from improvement. That that's sort of fundamentally sort of saying, okay, I'm, I'm this person here, I'm this person here. Yes. Um, I don't think you can do that anymore. I don't think you can do that in a small business because you're you're always on. Um, yes. You know, there's no. I mean, this whole thing about nine to five. I've never really, to be honest, understood how that works as much because, and particularly with going into a new into this new world now, I don't know how work hours going to go, and you know, whether people are going to say, you know what, I don't want to work between. Nine and three, right? Between nine and twelve, but I'm going to work between, you know, nine and twelve during the day, but I'm going to work at, you know, nine to twelve at night, maybe. Yeah, you know, I'm not quite sure how all this stuff plays out, but I do think structure and, and neat boxes is sort of harder to do in the future. Um, there's a, as you mentioned, blending. I think there's a lot more of that going to happen. Uh, totally. In, in all our yep. lives. I totally agree with you. That's music to my ears because. Yeah. Uh, people who try and do that just never quite achieve it. Every 24-hour period is a chance uh, to bookend it with a holiday, mm. time with family, with friends, with work. And you can't just say, okay, well, this is a phase for this. Now yeah. I'm going to check out and do it. Yeah, so what you're saying is absolutely spot on. It's uh, my philosophy as well on life. And and I think anyone that's um, you know watching or listening uh, at the moment, and there's a lot of uh, small business owners and large business owners that listen and watch, they're looking for that direction because most of them say, well, how do I clock off and get into family? And I said, look, yeah. 
if you're with family and you get a phone call and surgeon, take it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean after you finish, be present. You can be present and still do that. You don't have to tools down to be present. Mm. And when you're talking to someone on the phone with a customer, you know, be present. So this is something I actually learnt. Um, I've known this for a long time, but uh, Michael Jordan. I don't know whether you've seen that Netflix. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen it. I've been told. Of, I've been told to watch it. It's phenomenal. You will love it, yeah. right? And the biggest takeaway that I came from watching that series of ten episodes is this guy is a mystic. This guy is a yogi. He lives in the present. The biggest takeaway line. Uh, he said, "I'm not going to worry. Why should I worry about the next shot before I even take it?" Because he lives in the present and kids live in the present, artists live in the present, musicians, and they produce their great work. So if you're in business and you're watching this, don't be afraid to blend all areas mm-hmm. of your life. You know, that's the only way you're going to grow your business. Yeah. As long as you're having fun doing it. Now, on, on that, and, and, yeah. and my, mine's never been a neat kaleidoscope of, it's, it's, in my looking back at it, it it's, it's always been, there's always been something that's been out of whack um, a bit. And, um, and then it's just sort of once once the balance starts and the, the wheel starts shaking a bit because it's not perfectly balanced, then yeah. then you know it's an area you need to pay attention to. And I and I think it is it is important to sort of check back in on that because you, you do have too long and, and suddenly you, you do really get out of alignment. Um, yep. But but I've never I've, I've found it hard to sort of have everything equally balanced at the same time. It's sort of more this is out of balance needs to get back in and 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 it's a, it's a constant adjustment process for me anyway I found is that's uh, life yeah, yeah you're never going to be evenly imbalanced but no. it's like meditation your mind is going to wander yeah. the beauty is bringing your mind back and the same with work uh, yeah. with uh, life balance it's you will you know go uh, yeah. okay I've just spent 3 hours sitting I need to now bring it back to balance the key is to be conscious of that. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, that's one of our other frameworks is a framework for conscious living, which is outside of the scope of what we're going to talk about. But just stay on work for a second because yeah. uh, I really love what you've done in technology. Mm-hmm. Technology is a beautiful thing because you can leverage it to go from a small business to a large business very yeah. quickly. Yeah. So tell us maybe by using your industry as an example, but how important do you think technology is for business at the moment? Uh, in our business, so so uh, so overall in business, I think it's it's obviously critical. And you know, the problem is everyone said it, you'd save you know technology would save you money. I, I we just keep spending more and more money on it all the time. Um, but it does obviously produce a lot of opportunities and creates new areas. Um, so what things have you rolled out in your business? Uh, so so things like for us around customer, we, we've got new broker platforms. We've got new new tools for how brokers can deal with customers. Um, and the ability for, and, and on a, in our business, it's sort of a matter of how do you blend the individual experience of a person who's got, you know, a, a real passion for helping a customer, uh, a deep understanding of what that customer is, what products might suit that customer for that particular point in time and how that they may need to evolve with time. Right. So it's how do you get that, that knowledge that's in the person's head and combine that with a really good customer experience sort of technology platform that enables them to, to sort of collaborate together to get the right outcome for the customer and sort of involving the customer in that, not just sort of, you know, saying to the customer, look, here's the solution. It's engaging the customer to help find that solution. Um, and that's what we've been trying to build a lot. Uh, it's really customer engagement tools, um, and, uh, and, and broker, broker platforms. Um, and, and more and more, I think, yeah, we, we need to keep going deeper in that. I think there's a real opportunity, uh, speaking of open banking coming into play. 
uh, and how that's going to change the ability for brokers to deal with customers longer term and be relevant to a customer uh, longer term. So I think there's a lot of, um, yeah, I think tech is a real area where we're expanding aggressively. And um, even within COVID now, we've, we've expanded our tech team and um, looking at it, yeah, doing that doing that more. So. Um, but it's not, it's not to re, and I talked to some brokers about it and they, they worry, they say, oh, this, this is going to replace me. Um, and I, and I think, I don't think technology will replace brokers, but brokers who use great technology are going to replace brokers that don't. Um, but the broker itself is still going to be important because humans are still going to want to know, I want to, you know, is Sam, what he's, what he's saying, does it make sense to me? I want to question, yes. I want to, I want to, yes. I don't want to, want to, want a machine to give me an answer. I want to be involved in the process and, um, well, that's that's the bet we're making, um, and uh, and and that's why it's important to us is to to keep helping brokers um, be relevant as technology becomes more and more ubiquitous. Um, the banks are going to go, I think, more and more digital in time. And one thing out of COVID, I'm sure, is going to happen is branches will become a bit less relevant. They'll they're investing significantly in tech. That's that's going to continue. Uh, yes. And how we how we. Uh, make that a more efficient process for customers and, and, and for lenders is going to be pretty important. So for bro- brokers, um, some brokers have aspirations to become a bigger business. Yeah. How, do, how does a, a mortgage broker scale their business? Because goodwill is often attached to them and every yeah. time they hire another broker, it's the same goes for lawyers, sure. accountants. You know, I was speaking to a friend of mine who's a, a chiropractor. He said, as soon as I hire someone, train them, train them, train them, build them up. They leave and open up some their yeah, own business, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it's difficult for them to scale up. So yeah. uh, you may not have the answer to that, but a lot of business owners who listen to this as well always thinking, "Should I just stay small?" And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. No. I tell people there's nothing wrong with being, you know, having a practice rather than a business. Yeah. Uh, the moment you hire people and they start working for you, that's a business. Practice means you need to be there, you know, to earn the money. So, what is your advice to them? When should they consider going to a business? So, I, th- I think if you look at your at your team, at your employees, at your um, some of them just have one or two employees. Yeah, some some have some have outsourced and have none. Yeah, no, yeah. technically. But if you look at and say um, the value you provide to to a uh, a person when they first start with you is is as a rookie. Um, they're looking for you for real direction, um, for, uh, and, and for that, they, they will say, look, um, I'm better have a certain commercial arrangement because you're going to teach me what to do. Yes. Um, as you, as that person gets better, and that'd be a combination of their own work ethic and their, their, what they're doing, plus the support of the, of the leader of that business, um, and the systems and process that business puts in place, um, that, that commercial arrangement should change so that as, as, as they need less from you because they're starting to become professionals in their own right. Yes. Um, they should have a different type of relationship when they had with you when they first began. I think changing that commercial arrangement is important, firstly. Um, and that's why you see people come in as partners over time. And, so pay them more effectively. Yeah, yeah, pay them more or, or look at, you know, people look at equity and all that type of thing for, for, for working together. Uh, and I think the other thing is, is what is the operating system that you're putting in place that will, will increase the value that you can give to a, uh, a, a person, your business, a broker or an agent or a lawyer. And I think the more that you can wrap around, and one of the things we've seen is that good, a lot of good brokers don't, don't want to put in place a lot of infrastructure and customer service managers and, uh, you know, um, whereas they'll look for the business owner for that. And, and can you pro- keep providing oh, okay, for yeah. them mm-hmm. a, a better platform? Can, you, can they make more money with you than they can make on their own? 
a lot of cases they will um, because going out on your own means you've got to hire your own team yeah. or, or find your own solutions for that. And no longer do you just need to look after the customer, you now need to look after a broader business. Not, not a lot of a lot of people like doing that. Well, well, not not every broker wants to be self-employed, um, and 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 a lot of them, you know. So for those who who don't want to be, who want to have, so I want to look after my customers, but I don't have all the headaches or everything else. Can you give me a home that that is effective and and that reflects the value that I bring into the business? And I think there are a, a lot of people who'll do that more and more, particularly as systems become more important. You know, the Royal Commission. Highlight number of areas where brokers can improve around process, you know, expense analysis, a whole lot of things around that, that are going into the businesses now uh, around responsible lending and best interest duty are going to mean that it's going to be harder to do this on your own out of, out of your own home. Um, coming and forming part of teams, whether they're you know businesses sharing resources, whether they're yes, employer yes. employee, yep. whether they're partnerships or practices coming together, I think it's going to become more important to have scale. Yes. Um, and, and to share the, the cost of doing business. Cause, cause one thing I don't think, one thing that's clear, I think in our industry anyway, is that regulation is not going to get less and it's not going to get cheaper. Um, you're going to need to have better ways of, of, of staying safe in that process, in, you know, in, in dealing with customers and dealing with regulators. Um, and, and, and at the same time, we've got to keep finding ways to get better customer experience. And that's not just going to be about by signing another piece of paper saying, yeah, Sam's told me all this stuff. It's going to be about going through a journey, which as you go through it, automatically does compliance for you. It, it's not something you have to do on a Saturday afternoon, you know, after the kids play sports. I do my compliance files, you know, for last week. Yes, yes. You should have it done as you go. The system should do it for you. And that's what we've tried to build. Awesome. In, te- in terms of tech. Yeah. No, I love what you're doing uh, with tech. Um, there's also um, something I heard the other day about the values or what you bring to your broker community. And there was four things. It was uh, help them grow. Is that yeah. right? Keep them safe. And what are the other two? Yeah, so there's four promises. So, so four promises. One of the things everyone kept telling me, you got to, you got to, we're not aligned. You know, people said to me, I love um, these because they apply to all, yeah, you know, all the, industries. So, yeah. our exec team sat down and we said, they said, look, Sam, we don't really know exactly what's important to you right now. Um, we're not quite sure what to focus on. And, uh, we feel as though there's too many messages that are going out and we're just not, and, and I've had that a few, a few times happen. Like in, I think business goes through stages where you get it sorted out, then it gets to a point where it gets messy again and then sorted out. Anyway, so, so we sat down and said, okay, well, what are the, and we said, okay, what are the promises we need to deliver to a broker? And we, we can't with four of them to quit as a team. And the first one, so, and, and, and saying to everyone on the team, your job, all our jobs, my job, you know, receptionist job, four, four job, four things we've got to do. And if you're not doing, if what you're doing doesn't add to one of these four, then it's a problem and you need to find something different to do that's going to add to one of these four. Perfect. So yep. the four promises are um, keep me safe, which was, uh, first, first one was save me time. So brokers spend a lot more time on deals. So are we saving brokers time? Are we keeping them safe? Are we helping them find and keep clients? Uh, or are we growing their business? So those four, those four things, um, and and so now when we look at project, we say, does that which promise does that cover? Yes. Um, uh, what am I doing around that? And, and and it's it's the good thing is it's become a bit of a consistent language now, which is good. Uh, people feel a bit more aligned. Yeah. Uh, and that was just saying, one of the four cust- what, what are the promises our customers want from us, and now we're going to keep them, and and then everything we talk about now is the four promises around that. So that's been one of the best things. 
I think we've done in the last uh, last couple of years has been getting that nailed. Yeah, love it. I'm going to pinch a couple of those. Yeah, I, I, from my team. <laughs> I'm sure we pinch it from someone else. So yeah, none of it's rocket science, right? It's just sort of um, it's simple, sitting down. And, and, and I found that's yeah. the other thing is, you know, it's got to be simple or else it's too... Because, I, I, you know, I remember some people come with stuff and I couldn't remember it. I think it's my business and I can't remember what we're meant to do. How's yeah. else going to have it? And, and so it's got to be simple. And it's got to be that anyone can understand it. Anyone can sort of uh, pick it up and not have to go through reams and reams of explanations. Um, and that, that's what we try to do. Awesome. Now, without asking a uh, question that sounds cliche, but yeah. I'm going to ask it in a different way. And that is like, what is the number one tip you can give business owners to grow their business? And it's usually, the, you know, the tip that, um, no, actually, I'll just stop there. I'll okay. stop there and I'll keep it as a cliche. So what is the number one thing really that has worked for the White family in your business that you can share with that person that's listening now that has a business and that's thinking, what is that one thing that makes, gives me that edge? Uh, I think the, the key thing is, you know, key thing, key thing comes to mind, um, yeah. is uh, are you, how do you give value to a customer better than anyone else? And, and, and that requires you to think, who is my customer? I was um, going to ask you, who is your customer? So my customer is the broker. Right. And my customer is a broker who wants to grow a business. Um, my customer's not a broker who doesn't want to lean in and, and because there's better models out there for them that don't want anything else. They just, yes. just want a platform. We're not the right guys for you. Um, but they're my customers and, and that's what we need to focus on. Um, and, and their four promises were designed around trying to get those, what, what's the value of those customers? So, um, what, what, who's your customer and what do they value the most in what you do? Um, and what are they prepared to pay for, and what what, and how do you deliver that type? So it's a few questions, but I think it comes down to that that particular understanding. And you don't need teams to do that. You maybe it's an insight you have, um, you know. But it's a that from that from those series of questions, you know, who's my customer? What what value do they want? How do I deliver that value better than someone else? Um, you then start to create a model and a plan, and um, and that may involve staff. It may not involve staff. It may involve um, different sort of focus on areas. Um, and I, I think the, the, the best things are the simple ones in, in my experience is being, whenever I've made big mistakes, I've tried to get too complex. Yes. And I think it just came back, you know, the key role of every business is to find a customer who wants to pay for something. Um, how do you understand what the customers want? How do you get the value to them? And then how do you, how do you then give it to them better than someone else? So what do what your customers value most about loan market and what do they value most about you personally? Um, I think uh, my customers expect me to be engaged with them. Uh, if I wasn't, uh, that, that, they'd say I haven't, I'm not doing my job. They expect me to advocate for them and to help them you know, in, in, in understanding what their, what their issues are. I'm actually not nearly the smartest person in our business. Um, there's a lot better people who know the solutions to problems more than me. Um, they don't expect me, I think, necessarily to solve their problems, but they expect me to find the people who can. Yes, um, yes. But they expect me to lean in and understand what their problems are and, and to, be, to be keen to solve them. And, and they expect me to be committed to, to, their, to their success. Um, that, you know, they pay us a commission, a fee, a, a franchise fee, um, because they want to know that the team that we we put together is, is focused on helping them will deliver those four promises, but fundamentally help their business grow. 
Yes. Um, yeah. In terms of, so that's what I think my customers expect of me. Uh, what was the other question? Uh, what do they value most about loan market? And what do they value most about you? I so. think they value the fact that um, they're respected, that the team here is focused on on, on delivering, uh, on helping them succeed. Um, we're not, we don't focus on distribution of other products or you know, we're, we're not here to sort of, we're not, you know, people got head of distribution. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, we've got, our, our equivalent of that is head of, head of broker success. Um, they're just words, I know, but, but we're not about distributing anything. We're about broker success. So our head of sales is head of broker success um, and the team is around uh, a lot of our KPIs, a lot of our bonus structures around helping brokers. Are they hitting their goals? I think there's a business lesson uh, for those of you that are watching and are listening, and that is, you know, if there's a hint of government regulation that's coming in, you don't need to be wait till you're told to do something. If you're always acting in the best interest of the customer and you're looking to add value to the customer, being first to market to actually comply with new regulations that are coming in or should be coming in or not even maybe um, you know uh, uh, flagged to come in. As a business, I think business leaders have uh, also an obligation to be uh, leaders, not just in running a business, but leaders in regulation, self-regulation. I think I think there's no question that um, the, the, tr- the trends we're seeing, broad trends around, you've got to be more transparent. Uh, yes. You've got to be fairer. Yeah. Uh, you've got to be um, uh, empower customers to make better decisions, more so than make decisions for them. Um, those, those big trends are the same in any industry, I think, and all the regulations going towards making sure that companies don't take advantage of customers that aren't informed or yes yes. you know um and 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 so if you can be thinking about in your business how do you do that anyway um because 90 percent of regulation is actually right 10 percent of stuff can be a bit bit painful that gets a bit too edgy or 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 it goes off on a tangent but but the mass majority is 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 appropriate it just and then and and tech needs to then come in to make it because the other problem is it can't really cumbersome yeah hopefully tech makes it smoother um, but what they're trying to, what are the regulators trying to get at is right. Um, hey, if you can adopt some of those print, those broad principles of transparency and fairness and, and prove that every, in your dealings, because uh, that's the thing about bid. Bid's not about changing how brokers behave. Bid's about proving how you behave. And that's, that's a very different thing. Uh, yes. I don't think, yes. I think bid's going to cause brokers to do things much differently, to be honest. Yeah. Because most brokers believe that. Yeah. But, but if they can't prove it, Yes. Yeah. Every time, then they've got a problem, and and so being being forced to prove it, I think, is a good thing. It shows you that well, but don't just don't just tell me, mate. Show me. And, yes. And, and that's what that's what that's what I think most industries going to happen. And, and the more you can get ahead of that, I think the better. So if you're in business, the two principles uh, that should guide you is transparency and fairness, and you'll come up with your own, you know, solutions for customers, but self regulation. And, and I, I guess uh, that's probably why Australia has become so successful in controlling the outbreak of COVID-19, because we went into self-regulation mode before the government uh, yeah. imposed the restrictions. A lot of people don't realise that the, the curve started to flatten well before the restrictions came in because people started keeping their distance. Yeah. People started washing their hands. That's an example of self-regulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so I love what you said. If you have those guiding principles of transparency and mm. fairness, that'd be your guiding light. Yeah, I, I think the customer experience, like what's, yeah, and one of the things you see in other industries, just how much they've 
how good their customer experience is. And I think, gee, how do we how do we make that better? Because you know, it still can be a painful process doing this and that business yeah. and doing that. And so I think trying to find up, which again is finding that biggest problem to solve issue, um, that creates all the opportunity when you can yes. solve those big problems. Uh, suddenly, what was impossible becomes possible, and it's, it becomes awesome. Yes. Um, so that's where you got you know, the whole thing about finding where the where those pain points are, and then 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 once people once people, once you get enough smart people focusing on something like that, or once you fo- then then suddenly I think things will change and uh, hopefully you know and yeah. Get better. Absolutely. That's that's always been my focus in the uh, in my business at MSA Nationals. What are the pain points yeah. for the customer, and let's yeah. solve those. Yeah, and that's yeah. the quickest way to get from A to B in business. Yeah, yeah. Just solve the pain points. One hundred percent. Everything else is, <laughs> you yeah. know, it should be fundamental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. So let's talk about learning. You know, as one of the eight areas of life, learning is important for growth. How how do you view learning? First of all, at work or with your family, your uh, so I'm on the ceiling on our business. Um, so, so if I don't, if I don't develop, then the business can't type thing because, because I, I won't understand the issues. I won't invest in the right things. I won't allow good people to come through. So, um, if I don't, if I don't improve, uh, I can't expect the business to improve. Um, and, and some of the, so, so I, I, some of that's through books, some of that's through meeting people, as you say, and, Talking to someone else and getting a great idea from somebody else. Um, all that I'm getting good ideas from from brokers. Yeah, so the good ideas come from anywhere. Um, so you're always learning. Oh, there's a butterfly net around that. I, I, I go. I generally try and go away for a week and do a course somewhere. Um, and I've been doing that for 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 a while. That's been that's good chances to get away and think, and, yes. and sometimes yes. just get immersed in something. <laughs> and, but most of the stuff comes from. Uh, yeah, getting a butterfly net and catching the butterflies as they as you walk around. Um, yes, yeah, it's a good analogy. Hearing, yeah, hearing yeah. other people come up with with some great ideas and, and what they do in their businesses, um, and I'm lucky, yeah, lucky with that. That yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I just bump into good people that you know, and 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 um, and, and and often it's not direct, not direct, might not be direct copy what they do. But it'll be very much something based on what someone else has done, or it'll be a composition of three or four things that people have said, at maybe at different points in time that have just coalesced into something else that I can say. Gee, from I can see something like that working for us, but it work in this way. Yes, and yes. so, but it's very much based on on, on, on someone else's idea. Yeah, because um, you have a very strong training program, don't you, in your own work? Yeah, we, we try uh, as to, well as your own personal uh, yeah. education. Yeah. I think it's important that yeah you know, every 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 company should be a good training business. You know that whole thing about you know people say, oh, if I if I don't train if I train them too much they'll leave." Yes. Um, versus saying, "Well, if I don't train them enough, they'll stay." And the whole thing about you want what would you rather? Would you rather have a, a well-trained workforce that are in demand from other people, and that you've got to work out how to retain them? Versus, I've got a poorly trained workforce that no one yeah. else wants. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, it's an easy decision to make. Um, and and I think training, it's skill development, because skills depreciate so quickly now. Like absolutely, you can be become to, redundant too. Uh, two it's years so fast. Now. It's so <laughs> yeah. fast, and yeah. which is great because you can also become become something new in, in short period of time. You don't have to That's go and true. do. Yep. So I think that that depreciation is if you if you're not constantly adding to your balance sheet of knowledge, you 
your depreciation becomes too quick and, 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 and your written down value of the knowledge asset becomes almost nothing. Um, because a lot of people get too busy with life that they forget to stop learning and you can't grow, which is a fundamental human yeah. need without learning new things. Uh, how important do you think life education is, not just work education? Because uh, that's what we stand for at a high branch. It's yeah, about uh, life education. Uh, 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 we weren't I, never taught I, at school. I, I think I think it's it's all about how you I mean how you adapt to situations and how you persevere through things, how you try and uh, stick at how, how you interpret issues that that happen. I think there that's without that, and you can't do anything else, right? It's yes. Not, it, what you know doesn't matter nearly as much as either. Yeah. So that whole thing about EQ and IQ, and I think there's a big push around how do you develop your ability to adapt and. And uh, so to the extent that's about the broader learning thing, I totally agree. And, um, you know, we talked before about how people uh, over time get, start to get, um, you know, have different problems in their lives if they're not spending enough attention on those different areas of, of, yes. of the high focus, as you say, then that, um, that becomes a big issue. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about wealth and wealth creation. It's, it's one of our elements. Uh, that we uh, we talk about and it's not one we shy away from you know i think money is important but uh, i guess it's um uh, there's a difference between you know being rich and being wealthy i always say the wise get wealthy and the rich get richer but what is your definition of wealth and what do you think of um uh, is money important to live a happy healthy life i think it is i think it's important I don't know if that's right or wrong, to be honest. Um, no, I'm glad you called it my, out. I, I think <laughs> it's probably, probably my prejudice against, you know, or probably my prejudice, but it's my experience, you know, um, and, and, and maybe that makes me the wrong person to comment on it. But um, so I, I think money is important. I think um, uh, I don't think about wealth, uh, numbers or anything like that. Um, I think about ability to uh, go on holidays and that type of stuff. Um, that's sort of, but, but to be honest, I don't think about it a lot. Which is, I guess, the true definition of wealth in my books because yeah, wealth is about having that sense of freedom yeah. where you're not accumulating money for money's sake, but yeah. you're just, it, it, gives, uh, it gives you that sense of freedom. But that sense of freedom can only happen when you define what your wealth is. Some people's idea of wealth may be, I want to own that skyscraper. Sure. And they're never happy until they own that skyscraper. Yeah. But other person will say, well, I'm happy to live in my fibro, you know, home and I've got my friends and I've got my family and I've got my barbecue and I'm happy, you know. <laughs> so the, the answer, I guess, is there, there is no right or wrong. It's how you define your own wealth. Yeah. Well, I've, had, I've had targets in my, you know, in my career to sort of uh, do certain things. Um, the, the doing of the thing, the yeah. achieving of the thing is always more satisfying than the, than the finance. If, if I had a target, say, you know, own this or do that. Yeah, that bit is very fleeting. And it's the, the the doing of the activity is always is always the stuff that lasts. So, um, yeah, there's been times when I've been wealthier and less wealthier, you know, in cycles and all that type of thing. And um, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, I don't think about it a lot in that sense anymore. Yes, um, I used to think about it a lot. Um, but I think it is, you're right, I think it is important, yeah. you know, to to have a job that gives you satisfaction and also pays you, you know, a living, the living that you want, the yeah. own standard of living that uh, that you want. So for people who are watching and listening, 
you know, a higher branch isn't one of those academies where we say, oh, you know, money's not important. It actually is. Money is important. The question is how much money brings you the happiness that you're looking for. And it's different for everyone. So there is no right or wrong. Now, before, before we go, and I really thank you so much for spending the time because yeah, uh, I know you're a busy entrepreneur and you've got a lot on uh, as well. I've seen uh, some of the, your roadmaps for your technology builds and what you're doing with BID. And I think it's really exciting. And we'll, we'll certainly be paying close attention, hopefully learning for our business as yeah. well. But um, just a this couple of questions that I don't, I don't have a repeat set of questions at the back of every interview, like mm-hmm. some people do. I have a, I come up with questions specific to the mm-hmm. person I'm, you know, I'm talking to. So one question that really, uh, uh, two questions. But the first one is, what is the best lesson that your mum or dad or both passed on to you? Mm-hmm. And the second one is what is um, the most challenging period in your life that you've come across and how did you overcome it? Uh, the first <laughs> one, it'd be um, a piece of advice my dad gave me. Um, I remember going to him saying, uh, when I was starting out, I was like... Yeah. Uh, starting out in business? Starting out in business. So I was sort yeah. of 21. I was a real estate salesperson at Robert Paddington. I was going to uni and I was selling real estate and um, a few other things. Anyway, the... Um, I went there and I got this big problem and I um, and I outlined it, whatever yes. it was. And, and he said, look, I said, what should I do? He said, I've got two two things for you. Uh, I said, oh, this is awesome. So the first thing is I'm really glad you're going through this. I said, that's good. And he said, and the second thing is you're going to have a lot worse days than this. And that was his advice. And and for some reason that stuck with me is that, you know, things pass and, you know, you know a problem today will, will, will be resolved. Yes. Um, so have confidence in that. The biggest challenge in my life, and sort of, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if I can go through all of them, but that one of the ones was uh, that might resonate with people was the Royal Commission thing, um, and uh, yeah, that was that, that was one I was I was really quite scared um, of what was what was happening and. Um, and, 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 and uncertain and didn't really know what to do. And, and, and um, one of the things from that I got was, was got a lot of strength from the team. And, and, um, and, and then you take a risk. And I remember I was so nervous and I was, I was, I did it, I did something on a Friday. First time I did something it was going out on some commentary. And that weekend I was just, my, my, I, I was, I was, I was so anxious. I was, I was um, really worried about how this would be perceived. And and then after a while, it started to get some positive traction. But for for about two weeks, I was I was just so uncomfortable thinking about I was going to ruin my reputation. I was going to be seen as a this and a that, and um, yeah. and and I was very anxious about it. For those of you who who don't know the Royal Commission into uh, the home loan broke mortgage broking industry, well, it's home loan it was home loan into banks. Following so misconduct within the banking system. That's right. Yeah, but it, it could have led to the complete annihilation of your business. Yeah. So yeah, it would have been a, a massive challenge and a, a scary time. Yeah, a lot, a, lot, a lot of people had a lot of their you know, their livelihoods on it. A lot of our franchisees, they were, you know, it was they, 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 this was the the worst thing that could have happened to them. What was being just spoken about, and 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 there were anyway. I can go into a whole lot of it, but that's that's yes, that's, that's another, time. another story. But yeah. I love the advice that you. Uh, shared that your dad gave you and the reason why i love that and there's uh, beautiful layers of wisdom in there so he said okay you are going through a challenging time but you're going to go 
through life with even more challenging times. Yeah. I guess that his his the overarching message in that is that um, be grateful, you know, for yeah. where you are at this point in time. Yeah. Even if it's a challenging time, you can still be grateful for that time because it could get worse. Yeah, yeah. Whether you know you're living in a country where war is escalating, or you have an injury which could get worse, because a lot of people will go through these tough times, or a business that's uh, you know um, dropped by fifty percent or has been shut down. Still, you can always be grateful for something. And so, what he said there is just a beautiful thing, and I haven't heard anything like that before. It's like, but you are going to face even worse times. And as soon as you focus on the second part of what he said, you just say, you know what, I'm good now. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, and yeah, it's all part of preparation, right? Each time you face an uh, issue, it should give you confidence that you can face another issue and. Yeah, uh, some experience how to deal with those, which becomes, I suppose that experience becomes wisdom in time. But at the time, it doesn't feel like that. It just feels, you know, you're going through a series of of, uh, of, of sleepless nights. Yes, and it's part of the yeah. human experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Sam, true. thank you very much yeah, for uh, that. Was uh, an amazing couple of yeah. hours we spent together. Yeah, no, thank so you. Good. The time went really quick. It did. It did. And uh, thank you to everyone for uh, watching and listening. Until next time, live consciously, my friends. Thank you for tuning in. Now, if you want to stay up to date with all things A Higher Branch and with the latest information from our incredible faculty of members and contributors, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you'd like to watch things, then head on over to our YouTube channel by the same name, A Higher Branch, and subscribe to that also. And if you want to go onto our mail list where you will receive even more special premieres and some really special offerings, head on over over to ahigherbranch.com and sign up to our mail list where you will receive a free copy of my ebook Guide to Greatness but you will also be on the mail list to be the first to receive a copy of my next book The Circle of Conscious Living which is due out later this year anyway thank you again for listening and I hope to be with you next time